It's an honor to be here with you guys. As Marcus did say, I will make an announcement again. All right. Tomorrow night, we will be in the chapel at 7 o'clock. Our goal is to kind of work through what is prayer. Prayer is actually one of the most powerful things that God has actually given us. It's a relationship, but it also is a way to advance his kingdom. And, um, you know, when I first came into the kingdom, instead of learning theology, the first thing the Lord sent me to learn was, was how to pray. Um, I've, I've watched over the years God heal people. I've watched God deliver people. I've watched God change people, watch people come to the Lord, and it comes from prayer. All that we do comes from prayer. And so our goal is to teach you how to develop a devotional life, but also understand your authority in prayer. There's what we call an upward and an outward thrust to prayer. Jesus actually wants to live his life through us, and it comes through our prayer life. And so if you'd like to learn some of that, uh, we're going to be covering that tomorrow night in the chapel at 7 o'clock. So please come and join us. All right, please grab your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. My focus is going to be John chapter 14, verse 15, but I'm going to read a little bit into John chapter 14, verse um, 12 to start, and then 15 is what we're going to be focusing on. Now, here in this passage, which is interesting, um, I'm trying to, what I was told by Marcus and Mike was that they were talking about what are the works, or what does it mean to actually work, do the works that God has called you to. Now, this is interesting when we come to the New Testament, we have Jesus dealing with how do you live How do you live now that you don't have to worry about the law in the sense of trying to fulfill the law, how should you live now? And the passage here, Jesus actually, I think, actually says something really stunning to humanity. Uh, he's not saying something to just the, the original 12 men or the 70. He's actually talking to the human race, specifically his disciples, and he's telling them what's called a reality of the kingdom. So before we step into this passage, let me just kind of introduce this concept to you so that we're on the same pattern of thinking as we look at the passage. When Jesus dies and he's been raised from the dead, he begins to have a talk with us about eternal life. Now, eternal life, um, zoe means continual life, but the word zoe, the Greek word for life that Jesus is talking about, is a quality of life. So, interesting enough, the word zoe in the Greek New Testament, you know, we have life that's animated, but the Bible describes this, this life that we live outside of Christ, it's just physical life, and it ends at a certain point, and then we stand before God as he judges our life. But when Jesus comes into our walk, he not only redeems us, he makes us a new creation, and then the word life becomes really important. Because once we become a new creation, the word uh, zoe means not just a different quality of life, it means being lifted up to a higher plane of existence and learning to exist at that level. So the Bible's coming to you, and Jesus, even before he was raised from the dead, he's beginning to make what we, I think are radical statements to humanity saying, now when you come into me, you come into relationship with me, there's going to be a quality of life that you need to start accepting as normal and expect it as yours. And I'm going to now lay out what is that life. What does that life actually look like? So look with me in John chapter 14. Verse 12 is where I'm going to start. And then verse 15 is what we're going to spend our time focusing on. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, 
The works that I do, he shall also do. And I'm sure you guys love this passage because this is the one that, for my own personal life, has agitated me for the last 20 years of my Christian walk. He says, you're not only supposed to do the work that he does, but you're also to do greater works than this because he is going to the Father. Now, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in verse 15, it almost sounds like it's a different thing, but this is the finish of the statement. If you love me, you will keep my commands. All right, so Jesus is now talking about what is the work. So here Jesus, if we just want to be honest about what Jesus has called all of us to do, all of us get the great joy of preaching the gospel, healing the sick, driving out demons, raising people from the dead. And when you're really good at that, you get to go beyond Jesus and do more of that in a greater quantity and for a longer time in your life. The, the Greek words here that for the greater works, he means specifically the works, not just the idea that you get to live longer than Jesus so you'll have a, a quantity of work. It's the quality of work. And so Jesus is not only saying, look, what I do, that's the entrance point. That's where you come in. Once you come into that, once you learn to do that, you should be expecting, and he's... He's tipping towards, well, what is this quality of life? This quality of life is that miracles are normal for believers. Miracles are normal for you. They're not something that you hope happens once in a while. Jesus is saying, because I'm going to the Father, everything that keeps God from moving miraculously in the midst of you is going to be taken care of, and you're to be functioning like me, expecting like me, and going beyond me. I I think that's really an interesting statement. In fact, this is where we come into the passage where Jesus begins to illustrate the idea, I'm actually a prototype of what this new thing the human race is going to look like after they become redeemed. Isn't that interesting? He's the prototype. So what he says we should be able to do and what he does we should be able to do. And then he makes this statement, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It almost sounds like he's going back to the law in a moment, doesn't it? Like, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Well, let's look at the passage and see what Jesus is really talking about here. Now, there's a reason why I chose it very specifically. In this simple statement, Jesus has just defined the words and the work that you and I are to do. And then he begins to say, but if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, let's work through that. Simple statement, when I started looking at it, I was telling my wife about it the other day. I was just like, oh my gosh, every time I come into scriptures, what I think the scripture means as I study it and develop it, I'm just blown away by the the impact of God's word. All right, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. The, The statement here for love, it's really interesting. I'm sure you've heard this many times by many ministers, but if you haven't, I'm going to introduce it. There are three Greek words for the word love in the New Testament. One has to do with a sexual type of love. Another has to do with a, a, a friend type of love. And then we have this word agape. And agape is used, it depends on what tense they put on the word agape. Agape is used as an expression of only a certain type of love that comes from God. You cannot produce this love yourself. God has to give you his love for you to actually experience this. And then once you experience God's love, you have to learn how to live in that love and live your life based out of that love constantly being in you. Now, when Jesus says, if you love me, he's now using this word. 
If you love me, you'll begin to do the things that I've called you to do because what I've called you to do isn't a law, it's an expression of love back to me. If you love me, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, the love here means your active participation in what the Lord prefers for your life, both in power and direction. So that's the Greek word here for agapeo. It's a, it's a Greek tense. It's a, it's a reflection of you receiving the love of God. So if I'm actually receiving the love of God correctly, I prefer to do what Jesus wants me to do with my life, both in action and intention. Isn't that interesting? So he's saying you can check your own heart. Are you actually letting God love you? Isn't that funny to say to a group of people? It's not to say, well, yes, God is a God of love. If you're actually encountering the love of God properly, it changes your inward motivation to where you prefer to do what he's doing. You want to be doing what he's doing. So when he's making this statement, if you love me, he's not saying, I'm checking to see if you have love. He's actually saying, I'm looking for a quality of love inside of you. Are you actually experiencing my love? Because if you are, something's going to change inside of you. Your whole attitude's going to change about things. All of a sudden, what Jesus wants is what you want. You, you've connected with the, the right term of love here. Now, think about it. He just went to the disciples and he's saying, Now, hey, I'm calling you to do the same work that I'm going to do. And do you know what he's doing? Everyone thinks, well, he's actually put a standard in front of us that none of us can obtain. No, what he did is he put a standard of love and he said, if you actually begin to let me love you, you'll obtain this because I'll draw you into it. That's where my love will actually take you is into greater works. Isn't that great? I mean, we don't even have to go. I mean, we just have one sentence we have to work through this evening, but I think that's enough. Let's go home. All right, let's keep going. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, let's work on the word keep. It's kind of interesting. It, you know, a lot of us say, well, that is pretty simple, but it means it's the Greek word for to guard something or persevere in something. And it actually means, um, kind of interesting, it means putting a priority on something. This is, uh, so isn't it interesting? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He just got done explaining to him. You're to do the greater works. Exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then he says, and if you love me, you'll keep it. Now, when I looked at it, I thought, well, what is he getting at here? He's actually saying that when the love of God touches you correctly and you receive it, all of a sudden, this guarding goes on inside of your your motivation and your affection where you're so in desire of that love that you'll protect it and you'll do whatever it takes to keep that coming towards you. You'll persevere in it. It also points to the fact that you cannot do this out of the power of your own flesh. It means you actually have to draw from his love to actually be a person to persevere in it. Um, When I first, I don't know if you guys ever went through the stage, but when I first got around the idea that Jesus could heal today, I remember for the, as a guy, this is how I thought about it. Well, I'm going to learn it, then I'm going to master it, and then I'm not going to worry about it. Why would I say that? Because I conquered it. You guys get it? But see, that's not what Jesus is called to. He doesn't call us to these works of his. And then he says, well, learn it, and then get bored by it and go find something else. He's saying, no, that's where my heartbeat is at. 
If you start going dry, it's because you've left my heartbeat. If you go into seasons of burnout, it's because you've left my heartbeat. If you want to stay on fire, relevant, and in passion for the love of God, you'll stay where my heartbeat is at, and you'll keep that as a priority. Every time, isn't this interesting? Every time I get dry, I recognize the solution is to get where the heartbeat of God is instead of trying to drag him into where I think he should be. You guys, have you noticed the struggle? Whose will is in control of your life? You know, as a young man, it's easy to be zealous, isn't it? That's usually the the thing that young men are. Young people are zealous. They meet Jesus, they find this dynamic love, and they think, I'll give everything for him. And then they go 20 or 30 years, and they, well, I've done enough. I've been a fool long enough. Look, Jesus is dealing with something here. He's saying this work is the heartbeat of God. Now, if you've never heard that, then you need to discover it. But if you've heard it and you've walked away from it, you've not walked away from just the works of Jesus. You've walked away from something that perseveres and keeps your heart beating passionately for Jesus because that's where his heart's at. So he says you have to actually, if you love me, you have to keep this. And then he uses the word commands. So let's work at this. Now, the word commands here is interesting because I literally thought it was going to be a Greek word for the word law, and it's not. It has nothing to do with that word. So he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, again, just to reaffirm it, you guys already heard me say he's talking about the greater works. And now he wants you to keep his commands. And the, the word here, the beginning Greek part of the Greek word is a word that means to intensify something. So here's the meaning of the word. It means to reach a goal or there's an object to the reason why you're doing something and the beginning of it means there's an intensity towards this. So Jesus could say this, if you let my love be in you, you'll keep it as a priority and you'll you'll let it drive you to the ultimate designation that the purpose it is. Isn't that an interesting way of saying that? If you let the love of God do the work it's supposed to do inside of you, you will do the works of Jesus, and it's going to make you reach an ultimate goal that God had intended in his heart. That's why he wants you to keep it. He's wanting you to keep it because the end goal is better than what you thought it was going to be. What's the end goal? The end goal, we have to ask a question, what is this pointing to that Jesus wants us to be involved in this? Why does Jesus want us to do it? Um, now, this group, I wouldn't expect it, but when I hang out with the groups that don't like the supernatural, they always tell me the cost that they pay for this. Well, uh, I have to pay a cost. People mock me and make fun of me and all that. And, guys, I get that. That's part of the cost of this, but this isn't what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying, hey, you know, the cost is great, so God will make it up to you. That's, the passage isn't dealing with that. The passage is saying, okay, if you love him, If you let his love touch you and do the work that is supposed to do inside of you and you keep that as a priority, you're going to reach the goal that God intended for you. Well, what's the goal? Is it just to be able to do greater works? No, there's something in the thing that Jesus has called you and I to participate in, right? Beyond just accepting Jesus as our Savior, why does God give us these things that he wants us to do? Or why does he call us to these things that have to represent his heart? Because there's an end goal. It's called the fullness that God is looking for in your life. This path, this priority is actually the 
goal for your life that God has intended for you. To be like Christ isn't just, well, I've stopped sinning. No, there's a richness to this whole thing. There's a fullness that God is intending for you to reach that's supposed to satisfy you. Remember the quality of life, the word zoe? It's a quality of life. So it not only goes to, you guys, this is interesting, it not only goes to a different level, it goes up higher as you engage in it. So it actually means that there's a depth of God's love, there's a depth of his joy, there's a height of knowing him, there's an increase of faith, and all of a sudden you don't just hit maturity and then level out, you actually hit maturity and you keep going higher in it. So the quality of life that Jesus says that we can experience in his love I think that's why he has to tell us what it's going to supposed to actually look like because I think we hit it and we become so satisfied in it that we stop going on to completion where Jesus wants us to go. I, and just to give an example of this, there, I had reached um, a 10-year anniversary of praying for the sick, just to show you how fun this is. And I was kind of complaining to the Lord on how bad I thought he was doing in the last 10 years. Like, you know, it's great that people get over headaches and runny noses and all that other stuff. But, you know, there's too many crippled people that I pray for, and they're not getting better. And I'm telling Jesus, I mean, I don't know what it is in me that you need to change or what's going on in this situation. But, uh, you know, we've done this, and I'm getting kind of tired of this. And I'm com- That's, you know, we call it prayer. I call it whining. Um, I'm whining about it to the Lord. And the Lord doesn't rebuke me. He is kind of funny how he actually dealt with it. He actually came to my heart. And talk to me about a depth of his love that's tied to a greater work. And I thought, what? Because have you guys ever been taught to step into greater works, you have to grow in faith, right? Or you have, to, you have to take more risks. That's the idea of faith and stuff like that. And Jesus was showing me, no, there's actually certain things that you can't step into until the depth of my love reaches a certain place inside of you. And I had never thought about it. I had never even heard anybody ever say that. And as I'm looking at the scriptures, I'm starting to get it. As I let him love me and take me into a depth of his love, more of it can flow out of me to touch humanity. And I think love, the, the one thing about miracles is the expression of God's love. Give me one more minute. I've already gone over my time. One more minute. Here we go. I was at, I can't tell the whole thing. I was at Chipotle. You guys know what that is? Yeah. Okay. I was at Chipotle a year ago, a couple years ago, rather. And uh, we were going through line. And I was paying for the people that I w- was helping me do ministry that night for dinner. And so I'm standing there. This is this girl behind this counter. And she's 17 years old. And I'm looking at her, and I'm actually saying this to the Lord. This is a terrible way to pray for somebody. I said, you don't have a word for her, do you, Lord? I mean, who starts off praying like that? You don't have a word for her. And the Lord filled me with his love, and he said, yeah, I actually do. And he starts showing me something about her. He said, I I see this picture of her up in her bedroom writing music. And the Lord starts this conversation. And now, as he's talking to me, I'm experiencing the love of God as he's having this conversation with me. In a really intense way. And I don't know if you guys ever do this, but when I experience the love of God in an intense way, I kind of forget where I'm at. Like, I'm not at church, and and I don't, I mean, I'm here, but it's a God moment. And so the Lord has me start off by saying, you love serving people, don't you? And she's like, yeah, how did you know that? And she goes like this. 
Isn't that weird? Have you ever said something like that and someone just went like that? I just like, I thought that was interesting. And then I'm, I'm looking at her and the Lord says, now tell her the other thing you saw. And I said, you know, you, you like write music, don't you? You play music and you write music and that's on your heart. And she's like, yeah, how in the world do you know that? And she goes like this again. <laughs> I thought that's a different response. And then, you guys ready? Then I hit another level of the love of God. It just filled me and so satisfied me. All my fear of looking stupid just left me. I thought, I'm going to look stupid anyways. And so I went after it with her. I said, you know, there's a certain season. What's going to happen is God's going to take these two gifts and they're going to wet them together. And all of a sudden, I see you playing music and this presence of God falling on people and people grabbing their hearts and weeping because they're being restored by the mercy of God. And she just looks at me and goes like this again. I said, does that make any sense to you? And she goes, no. <laughs> I went, okay. So I started talking to someone else, and uh, Lee, who was with me, she says, I don't think you're done. I think you're supposed to lead her to the Lord. And if you don't know my, uh, my sense of humor, I'm a smart aleck. And so I said to Lee, well, why do I have to do everything? You go do it. And so Lee goes back over there, talks to her. They hug each other, and they cry. And then they hand each other notes, and then Lee comes back. And I said, well, what happened? And she goes, well, I asked her, what did you mean? Uh, he asked you, did you understand? And she said, no. And she goes, I don't know why I said that. Now, you guys ready? She said, what I wanted to ask him was, I keep feeling this love around me, but I don't know how to grab it and pull it into my heart. <laughs> so Lee, Lee goes, oh, that was Jesus. Jesus is, now, isn't this precious? She goes, that was Jesus, and he's showing you this is how much he loves you. All he wants you to do is just receive it the rest of your life. How would you like to come and meet? And she goes, yes, and she just comes to the Lord right there. <laughs> great? Now, why, now, you're sitting around going, isn't that a great story? And it is a great story, but what makes it great? Is it the words? No, it's the love of God that showed up. It changed me. It changed Lee. It changed her. We, we all just kind of, in a euphoric way, just kind of couldn't figure out where we were at and just kind of walked out when, oh, that was awesome. And it was awesome because we tapped into something because we kept what Jesus wanted to do in that situation. Now, Jesus wants this for you. Would you pray with me real quick? You're so good. I mean, you just amaze me on how good you are. Open our hearts to receive your love tonight. Even in a newer way, Lord. Bring your embrace to us. Help us learn your love as a priority of our lives, Lord. And let us reach the end goal that you have in your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.